Welcome to the Marketplace Movement, where our vision is to reach, enhance, and advance lives. This week, we are on part 5.5 of the Cost of God's Will series. Today, we will learn how to deal with the unsatisfied state while trying to pay the bill called opposition. So as always, please grab your notebook and your Bible and join us in the year of again. We're not supposed to oppose people. We're supposed to, we come against sin. That's it, right? So if someone is coming at you to oppose or there's conflict that has started, then again, that person has something controlling them. Are y'all following me? And when I try to help that situation or bring fruit to that situation or bring deliverance to that situation, I have to separate the person from the issue. Do we agree that that's difficult? I gotta separate the person from the issue. Now, I, I, again, I've taught that before. Let's take it a step further. Write this down. The presence of darkness in any area of our life must be eliminated. This is all precursor before I get to this, this text. The presence of darkness in any area of our life must be eliminated. When I say darkness, we know the scripture says it like this In me there is light and no darkness at all. Amen? So when I talk about darkness, I'm talking about any type of behavior outside of God's will, anything that is not light. The presence of darkness in any area of our life must be eliminated. Do you have that written in your notes? Now, I want you, this is for your own personal time of study and reflection and meditation. I really want you to look at every area of your life and be honest. Where do I have darkness? What area of my life is out of alignment with God's will? Look at every area. Look at every relationship. Look at every piece of connectivity. Do I have darkness in any of these areas of life? Now let me give you three things that darkness will do in your life. Let me give you three things. Number one, darkness limits movement. Darkness limits movement. I'm going to give you all three and then we'll break them down. Number two, darkness limits sight. What was number one? Number two? Sight. Right, darkness limits sight. Here's number three. Darkness limits perception. Now I'll go back to my main point. The presence of darkness in any area of our life must be eliminated. Why? Number one, darkness limits movement. What do I mean by that? Think about walking into a dark room. Darkness creates a fear that I'll hit something. Does that make sense? If there's a dark room, I, I literally, what happens is I change or I slow my movement to compensate for me not wanting to run into anything. Think about every area of your life that has darkness in it. It will literally limit your movement. And see, what happens is sometimes we're blaming our lack of movement on people when really you're stagnant because of darkness. Because darkness limits movement. Number two, darkness limits sight. You walk into a dark room, watch this, things are in the room that you cannot see. Did y'all hear that? As simple as that sound. When the room is dark, the darkness doesn't take the stuff out the room. What the darkness does is it makes you unable to see. One more time. Darkness doesn't remove stuff. Darkness just won't let you see. One more time. I'm going to catch it. So that means that there are things right in front of you, but the presence of darkness in your life didn't remove the blessing, didn't remove the open door, didn't remove 
Do y'all hear what I'm saying? I am unwilling to apply 
give it to you another way. The same sin that can take control of your life can also take control of the lives of others. When I come in contact with people who are under the influence, I need to respond to them like they're drunk. Right. Y'all catch me? I need to respond to you like you're under the influence. I'm not going to talk to you like you're sober when you're clearly showing me that you're under the influence. Right. That's our fault. Right. You, we are to blame when somebody comes to us under the influence of sin and we refuse to be liked. We're to blame for that. Right. Treat others how you would want to be treated is what comes to mind here. Now, you can't really say what you would never do, because we, we do that too. Oh, but I would never do that, Bishop. What they did to me, I, you can't say what you would never do because you're not them. All of us are the sum total of our experiences. You got to be careful when you get to throwing around nevers. Because watch this if you were in the same shoes as them, you might have done worse. All right, let's go to Romans 7. Let me read what Paul says about sin being a controller. Because this is one of those verses, this, this is one of those chapters, oh, we love it. We love this as it pertains to us. We, we like to apply this one to us, like when we get to act in a fool. And I know nobody in here has acted a fool before but me. So y'all be ready, you know, because I've, I've had most, praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Oh, let me tell y'all, let me tell y'all this, this wonderful story. Back, back when I was back, I think we were in trouble. And I, I it was probably a month, probably for a month, every Wednesday, every Sunday. I can remember like it was yesterday. I kept saying, I just don't know what I would do. I mean, just while I was preaching, I don't know what I would do. I just don't know what I would do if anybody ever talked crazy to my wife. I just don't know what I would do. I mean, every Sunday, every month, I just don't know what I would do. I just don't know what I would do. I just don't know what I would do. And somebody said to me, they're like, you need to stop saying that because... You might get tried. I didn't heed that knowledge. And so, remember I told y'all the brother when I came out the pulpit, put his hands on me? Yeah, that was during that whole season, you see. During that whole time of me not knowing what I was going to do. Mm -hmm. Put his hands on me and got to talking about Jamil. Lord. You see, now watch. You can say what you'll never do. Yeah. Yeah. But until you get there. Because yeah. I truly saw myself throwing him through a few tables. <laughs> see, guys, see, I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm serious. I, I can see it in my mind. I, I was going to hurt him. Y'all ain't never want to hurt nobody. I pray for y'all. <laughs> I saw it. And the Lord had to deal with me. Like, see, you're not, see, this is how you want to talk to me. You're not mature enough for the doors I need you to walk through. Because if you can't handle somebody that's clearly under the influence, how are you going to heal the demon possessed? What right do you have to pray at any altar if you can't handle the same spirits that you say you can cast out at you. Wow. Oh, he can, oh, that's okay. That's how he talks to me. See, I had a spirit run and jump on me. Physically. Some of us is t- telling 
grabbed hold of it. Terrible thing. Romans 7. Romans 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but our flesh sold in a bondage to sin. Verse 15. For what I'm doing, I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do. But I'm doing the very thing that I hate. 16. But if I do the very thing that I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin, which dwells in me. Y'all see that control? For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. 19. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. 20. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Do y'all see that? Paul told me, he was like, look, I really, really, really want to do right. Guess what I keep doing? Wrong. And he said, I come to recognize something. It's not me. It's the sin. That's not an excuse. That's actually the identification of the correct target. Don't look at what Paul is teaching us as Paul giving us an excuse. Look at what Paul is teaching us as Paul revealing the correct target. What Paul was saying is, I keep messing up, and I haven't figured out why. Not it's okay. Don't walk away with Paul was saying it's okay. That's what cult leaders do. What Paul was teaching us here is, I'm not the one doing it. I have separated. See, Paul actually applied Ephesians 6 to his own life. Let me tell y'all something right here. It's not in my notes, but y'all need to hear this. If you don't allow, if you don't learn to apply, we wrestle not against flesh and blood to yourself, you will perpetually be in a state of depression with yourself. You have to learn to apply that text to you even before you can effectively apply it to others. In other words, you got to tell yourself, the sin messed up, I'm going to attack that. I am not what I just did. Okay, listen, listen. Among you, 
Pleasure in that text, watch this, write this, this definition down. The feeling that comes from an unsatisfied state. The feeling that comes from an unsatisfied state. That definition blessed my life so much. So watch this, let's read it again. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source, watch this, your feelings that you have from being unsatisfied. I need you to prove that, Bishop. Watch. He actually gives us definition, verse 2. You lust, that's what they want, right? right? Watch this. And do not have unsatisfied. Y'all see that? Here's the result. So you commit murder. Y'all see that? I want something. I lust. It's a strong desire for something I'm not supposed to have. I lust. That's my desire. And I do not have unsatisfied state. What's the result of the unsatisfied state? I commit murder. Murder in this text is not simply the killing of a person tangibly, right? But watch this. You can murder somebody's destiny. You can murder somebody's dream. You can murder somebody's viewpoint of how they see somebody else. Amen? Okay? So, he goes further. You're envious. That's the desire. You cannot obtain unsatisfied state. So you fight the call. That's the result. He shows us right there. I lust and I do not have. That's unsatisfied. My result, murder. I'm envious. I cannot obtain unsatisfied. Result, you fight the call. Because every unsatisfied state can make me jealous of something. 
Who do you think he is? <clears throat> right? I have an unsatisfied state. And when I see somebody else whose state satisfies mine, I now have conflict with them. And they ain't thinking about me. Whoever bought that car, he's studying me. They might not even want a car. They just got a car. They weren't thinking about me. Would you trying to rub, rub that in my face? They don't even know me. Really, right here in this room, I want you to think about every unsatisfied state that you have. Really think about that for a minute. And why are we unsatisfied? Especially when people just want to wake up. We unsatisfied over some of the most frivolous of things. There's somebody right now Begging God, begging God for movement in their lives. Begging They haven't moved their lower body in years and they're begging God for a miracle. And you mad at God because you want six bedrooms. God has forsaken you because you're in a Buick. Instead of a Mercedes. And somebody right now is begging to go above 5% of lung function. Sin. 
Y'all hear that? Sin causes me to be unsatisfied. I'll say it one more time. Sin causes me to be unsatisfied. If I don't have sin in my life, I'm not unsatisfied. Huh? What did Paul say? I've learned to abound, I've learned to abase, and whatever state I'm in, cool. See, he was showing us appropriate Christian behavior and character. Sin caused me to get unsatisfied. Sin is when we can't wake up and say, God, I thank you. I got God, I thank you. I woke up. That means I got another 24 to get this thing right. Thank you, Jesus. Huh? See, that's, that's when, we're, that's, that's when we're, we're right where we're supposed to be. Watch. Now, I need to say something right here. This is very important. I am not telling anybody in this room, listen to me, to be someone else's satisfaction. Watch this. Every time that there's an unsatisfied state, you open the potential for conflict. Amen? The mistake we make is when somebody has an unsatisfied state, we try to satisfy them. That's good. Uh-huh. Husbands, we are particularly egregious of that particular behavior, calling it love. Uh-oh. Let's step over here. <laughs> Everything she wants, she gets. Everything she wants, she gets. Everything she wants, she gets. You sure? Because eventually she might want something that's out of God's will. And if you have set up the track record of fulfilling every unsatisfied state, she does not have the ability to be able to hear you when you're directing her towards the satisfaction of Jesus. She can't accept you saying that ain't God. Because all you've ever shown her is your ability to fulfill every unsatisfied state. We're not their savior. When you make yourself their savior, watch this, you're actually placing yourself on a pedestal that's way too high for you to fall off of. Because if you open up the door of you being the savior of all of their needs, watch this, because scripture says, my God shall supply all your needs. If you make yourself the supplier of all needs, as opposed to the leader to the supply. Y'all not in this room. See, my job is to lead us to the supply, not to be the supply in and of itself. If I continue to put this false reality that I am the supply, the very moment that I can't supply, she loses faith in my leadership as opposed to being my helpmate. Because I told her I was God all this time. And when I can't be God during a time of need, she no longer trusts me to be her leader because she never thought we was in it together. She thought that I was her God. I'm trying to help somebody in this room. Now, we do it too. See, some husband is like, resort your life right there. (laughs) We do it too, even with our friends. I'm going to help you through this. Sometimes your version of help you through this is be their functional savior. You, you actually enable them instead of helping them. I am not telling, listen, every unsatisfied state, yes, Lord, this is blessed me. Every unsatisfied state 
creates a potential for conflict, but we cannot be their satisfaction. It puts us in the role of functional savior. In the long run, when you put yourself in the role of functional savior, man, woman, friend, spouse, you make matters worse. You cannot continually be someone else's satisfaction. You, you do not want to put yourself in that role. Now watch this. Some of us are putting ourselves in that role because you got a need to be needed. But eventually you will be found out. We're not God. One of the most fundamental lessons my dad taught me, I didn't understand it until I got older. He said, son, yeah, dad, you can't change nobody. I used to hear him, and it kind of went in that ear. You know how they say, went in one ear, out the other? It didn't even do that. It just went in that ear and fell out the same ear. It didn't even go through. There was no processing. It just in the ear, just fell right out there. You can't change nobody. And I found myself, especially early on in the past, getting frustrated because it's like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. The Lord was like, why? I'm like, what do you mean? That's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be doing this. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. And I was like, no, that's what I do. You lead them to the water. You are not the water. You lead them to the bread. You are not the bread. And if they refuse to eat, that's between me and them. If they refuse to drink, that's between me and them. See, Gideon tested them at the water. He was never young. God said, lead them to that water over there. I'm going to test them there. Tell them to drink. But you do nothing. I'll tell you who's with me according to what I see in them. Allow me to be their validation after you've led them where I told you to lead them. That's my job. That's my job. Oh, that took some growing up, y'all. And for many of you, I want you to look at your circle right now. You got some people who are draining you because you're out of place. I feel that in the spirit. They are literally zapping you for all of your life, all of your strength, because you're out of place in their life. You, unbeknownst, I'm not saying you're malicious, I'm not saying you did it to try to be God, but you have become their savior. They literally rely on you for everything. You haven't taught them to rely on Jesus, you taught them to rely on you. They can't go pee without you. Oh, so y'all sure y'all playing. So people right now in your circle, every little thing, everything. When you teach somebody to cook, at some point you stop cooking it for them. You haven't taught them to cook if every time they're in the kitchen you say, I got it. Same way spiritually. Well, I feel this thing. There are some people right now, I feel this in the spirit, there are some people right now that you need to say, I'm done praying about it like that. My new prayer is, Lord, teach them to pray. Because see, the truth is, I've been wearing myself out praying for you, and you ain't praying at all. Okay. You are literally living off of my prayer. My prayer has become such a, a Because instead of teaching them to stand on their own prayer feet, we've been
when you try to, when you're out of place. Number one, you try to be what they need, watch this, and you actually fall into the trap of enjoying that state. I alluded to this before. I'm trying to be what you need, all of a sudden I start liking that. I start liking you calling me all the time. Uh-oh. This is where affairs start. Y'all don't want to talk to me really now. Because I started off helping you at work. Now we're getting coffee. Now we're getting dinner. Now we're going on trips. Come on here. All because you need me. Man, please, you need Jesus. And this is why you have to surround yourself with people who are going to tell you when you're going off the rails. Hey, I think you're enjoying that attention. Attention-seeking behavior. I need to say this to somebody in the room. I need you tonight to go home and, and get rid of all of your attention-seeking clothes. I feel that in you. I feel that. I'm going to keep going. Into anger 
or frustration. I'm trying to be your functional savior. I keep trying to help you. 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 And all of a sudden, I'm exhausted. I wasn't supposed to be doing it. So now all of a sudden, I'm in anger and frustration, and I'm blaming the person for being mad. Like it's their fault. Like it's your fault. And the Lord is like, this happened all give me. Like, it ain't their fault that you never should have started. That's my if I go out to my car and decide that I'm about to pull the engine and transmission, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I don't know nothing about that. Right. Versus two come. But I don't know nothing about that. And then I'm going to get mad at the engine and transmission if it don't do what I think it should do. You don't know what you're doing. It ain't the engine's fault that you're out Watch this. If I train to throw the shot put, why am I mad? Because I cannot run the relay race. <laughs> Two completely wrong yes. Training is different. Buddy, have you ever seen the people who throw the shot put? Somebody else's need, needs. Not supposed to be there. Watch this. The person never gets healthy. The person never gets healthy. Why? Because they never truly connect to help. I don't, I don't get it. You, they never get healthy. Because at the end of the day, you can never be the living water. You can never be the daily bread. So if you put yourself in position to be living water and daily bread, at best you're a placebo. Right. They never really get the nutrients of Jesus because you're not Jesus. Right. You keep so watch. This is why people have moments of better but never deliverance. Right. Watch this. And in church, church in general. Church in general can become this when, when it's not stable and when it's not right. Watch this. I'm reading a book of sleep right now. And they're talking about the circadian rhythms. Now, everybody has a circadian rhythm. Everybody has a time that they wake up. As a matter of fact, it's a form of to torture of many countries. And when they capture you, they will actually put you in a room where your circadian rhythms get thrown off. It's actually a form of torture. They'll bring you into the room with no windows and leave the lights on. And by leaving the lights on, you no longer can differentiate day from night. And when you no longer can differentiate day from night, you get into a state where your body is telling you one thing, but your environment is telling you it's a form of torture. Right? It's exactly what the United States just did to immigrants that they separated from their parents. Yeah. Now the whole story, because we don't want to talk about you. 
writes. All right, so watch this. Your circadian rhythms will tell you sleep, wake, sleep, wake, sleep, wake. Everybody has it. But when you're supposed to be sleeping, if you take coffee and a high enough dose of caffeine, you can trick your circadian rhythm to wake up. So caffeine does. Caffeine literally takes your circadian rhythm and says, do not sleep. And you can ingest it and you're tricking it and eventually the body will override it. You can blow out your adrenal glands and you just go nuts. Because you're telling yourself awake and the body is going, no! Right? Watch this. Church, for many people, is actually the caffeine. Not the hell. What do I mean? It keeps tricking you into thinking that you're in a state that you're really not in. So all of a sudden you're like, we shall do it. I'm healed. No, 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 no. We don't know you healed until you can touch it and it don't hurt. Your dads didn't heal you. I need to know if I can touch that move and you're like, it's a scar, but it's no longer sore. Now we're talking about healing. Right? That takes a different type of work. That takes a different type of prayer. That takes deliverance. That means that we got to fight the demonic, the forces of wickedness in high places. That's what that requires. You're not going to be able to write a big check and the sword go down. You're not going to be able to run some laps and the sword go down. That's not how this thing works. And we, listen, at some point, I'm going to be the one. We have to call this out among leaders. We have to call this out. Like, please, stop hyping people thinking that the hype delivers. You're tricking them into something that is incorrect. Just because they feel better don't mean they are better. That's good. I feel better. That's cool. Wait till the caffeine wear off. Now let's talk. Let's talk and see. Are you better? Wait till you get around the friends that you sit with. Let's see how you handle that. Are you better? Wait till that phone ring from that one person who you said you were going to leave alone. Let's see now. You better? Because it ain't hard to be better when somebody else is like, woo, praise you. like, okay, I can just do what they do. It felt good. That might be caffeine. We must point people, we must point people in the right direction, not to us, to him. Look to the hills from what's coming to my help. All of my help comes from the Lord. I gotta point people to Him. At the end of the day, no matter how much advice God has put in you, you got to make sure that you you end that with look, Jesus the way. I need to get you to Jesus. You give your little point one, point two, point three, and all of that takes Jesus. Huh? You should do this, you should do this, you should do this. While Jesus leads you. Right? Here's how you handle this, and this, and this, with the Holy Ghost. Y'all see? Not because of me. Alright, turn to Matthew 5. Watch. Remember what I told you? An unsatisfied state opens the door to conflict, right? Right? Matthew 5. And I really hope, people of God, that you guys are being honest about your unsatisfied states. This is what Jamila and I call it, the I wishes. 
that I wishes. For a long time, we would we would ask each other before we pray. We would we would, before we would pray together, we would ask each other, "Do you have any I wishes?" We didn't we didn't we didn't equate that to what I'm teaching at that time. But really, think about what that question is: Do you have any unsatisfied states? They have to be honest with yourselves. Do I have any unsatisfied states? Next question: Why? Why am I unsatisfied with that? Now somebody gonna be real spiritual because I know that the state that I'm in is out of God's will. Hold on, hold on. Before you go down that rabbit hole, watch this. I'll show you. If my destination is Cincinnati, I can get right on 35 right here. I can take 35 to 75 south. I'm going to Cincinnati, right? So if my car is parked right on the side street and I get to the stop sign and I go all the way down to the right and I'm turning, I've turned, I'm almost 35. That's not an unsatisfied state. I'm on the road. Don't confuse an unsatisfied state with impatience. Yes. Yes. Because somebody's going to take it. I'm unsatisfied because where I am is not where I'm supposed to be. According to who? Maybe where you are is according to where God wants you to be. Amen. Maybe your maturity caused God to put a limiter on your speed limit. You in the car like everybody else, but your uncle goes fast. Because <laughs> God knows. They can't handle that. I'd rather them get there late, but get there. Okay, y'all, come up here. Because some of them aren't mature enough to handle the full speed. So I have to slow them down to ensure their safe arrival. Because if they go as fast as I can get them there, they wouldn't get there safe. Yes. Sure. Some of y'all trying to leapfrog. Like, come on, God. I was like, mm mm. Because if I get you there now, there's somebody there that you can't deal with. Yes. The very thing you're praying for, somebody is in that spot. And if you got there today, you need to deal with it. And you're not mature. You can't handle the conversation that you would have to have if. Uh, Matthew 5. This is it. This is the Beatitudes. I always say that the Beatitudes are the attitudes that we should be. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? For they shall be what? Feel or satisfied. That is right there. Just the end of the story. Every unsatisfied state is an open door to conflict. How do I feel? How do I make sure my state gets satisfied? I need to get hungry for the right thing. If I hunger and thirst for righteousness, guess what I'm going to be? Satisfied. Not if I hunger and thirst for more money. Not if I hunger and thirst for more anything. I'm still hungry and thirst for righteousness. Wait, what do you want for righteousness? I want right standing with God. That's all I want. What you want for today? Righteousness. Think about your last ten conversations. Were they righteous? 
Or watch this. I'll take you one step further. Was the goal even righteous? Some of us don't even enter the conversation with a righteous heart. I'm going to tell them. They're going to know. This is going to be the last time they ever bet you they're going to come to my office. Not one more time. Because I done told them. I told them two times last week. They showed up in my office. I'm going to let them know today. And then now when you got conflict, now you want to run to the altar. Yeah. <laughs> and watch this. There's a mistake we make. If you run to the altar, pray about them. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for the word. Allow us to be doers of the word and not hearers. In your name. 
You have just listened to part 5.5 of the Marketplace Movement Podcast, The Cost of God's Will series. There is still so much more training to go. Please like us on the Marketplace Movement Facebook and Instagram page. Follow us on Twitter at The Marketplace Real and visit our website, themarketplacemovement.org. We invite you to worship with us at 3300 West 3rd Street in Dayton, Ohio, or catch us on Periscope every Sunday and Wednesday. Remember, every unsatisfied state tells us where we are in God. We hope to see you soon at the Marketplace Movement, where we reach, enhance, and advance lives. Mm -hmm.